Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their community. Shopping local is important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's great fit. Learn more right now at parkpower.ca. We've been working from home for the past uh, year and a bit since Nita came off of mat leave. I've been working at home longer. Yeah, I was going to say, you have a you have a head start on this working from home thing because I was on leave. Yeah, uh, because things aren't completely opened up and, and the option is still there for the both of us. So we've been uh, enjoying working in our basement. And I will say, it makes doing laundry very easy. <laughs> well, the laundry is only like 15 feet away from us. Yeah, so, so yeah. periodically through the day, you can just go and flip the load. Yeah. You don't have to like spend your whole Sunday doing it. You don't have to do it like progressively through the week in the evening. No, you just do it through your workday. Very convenient. It is. See? Perks. Yeah. Yeah. Working from home has its benefits. You can do chores while you're at work. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Wait a second. But it does have its drawbacks, I suppose, as well. You, You lose that office environment. I know that you in particular miss that office environment. Uh, it's nice to be able to collaborate with your coworkers face to face sometimes. Like if I need to ask my coworker a question, now I have to either send an email or open up like a chat window with them or even worse, go through a phone call. I don't like talking on the phone very much. I'm one of those people. Also, our office phone connection through the internet is really choppy and phone calls don't always connect. It's just so much easier to turn around and be like, uh, hey, I, I need some help. You got a second? Great. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Less effort. Now, our workspace is also set up in the basement because, of course, little kids can't exactly have it eating up space upstairs. And also, we want it in a place where they're not regularly going to go. The downside to our basement is that there is no natural light down here. No, we have no windows in our basement. No, it is very much an enclosed space. Yeah. But it's Vegas-esque, right? The lighting is always exactly the same. Very even. It's true. And I mean, we are surrounded by stuff. That is ours. So that in itself makes it a little pleasant. Yeah. Again, pros and cons. Pros and cons. I do miss having sunshine. One other thing that we do in the basement is we record the podcast. Yes. So uh, Behind Scott's work computer. <laughs> at present, yes. Yes. Uh, so with that said, a brief recap of our first chapter yeah. of our new novel in which uh, everything goes about as bad as it possibly can on the bridge of a starship. Yes. <laughs> It's it's very, very tone setting, very atmospheric setting, and very violent. Yeah. And uh, so far, we already have a body count of three in our novel. Yes. And with that, we head into chapter two of Screams from the Void by Anne Tibbets.
So whereas the first chapter was very much the cold open to our story. Yeah, very prologue-esque. This one is more an introduction to the two characters we're going to be following. Yes, we meet our mains here. Yeah, uh, we, we know these are our two main characters because of the blurb on the back of the book. Yep. And we spend a little bit of this chapter from both of their perspectives. Yeah. Uh, with Technical Sergeant Pollux mm-hmm. down on the planet and Mechanics Ensign Reyna uh, up on the starship. Yes. It has been 15 minutes according to the timestamp at the beginning of the chapter. About about a half hour by the end of the chapter. Yeah. So the first half of the chapter that we spend with uh, Pollux mm-hmm. is 15 minutes later than the disaster on the bridge. <laughs> Same day. Um, and she's down on the planet with the biologist team. Biology uh, team? They were they were like a, yeah. Like the a away bot- team? A botanical away team. <laughs> Something like they that. They were, it was a botany team. Oh, botany. Sorry, yes. yes, that's what it was. They're looking at the mosses and lichens on the planet to determine if there's going to be a habitable environment. Because they're, uh, basically what I'm gathering is that they're a forward team looking at the possibility of a colony on this yeah. planet. Finding like a life-supporting-ish planet. Yeah, and what they've discovered is that this planet needs a couple million years more development before it would be fully life-sustaining. Yeah, basic life, right? They found like some like small organisms. No like mosses not... and lichens. Yeah, basically, basically. Yeah. like the beginnings of like a, a a similar ecosystem to Earth, but not nearly developed enough to sustain life. Yeah, you'd need oxygen on the planet in order to live. There. Well, let me be truly accurate to sustain. Enough life. Or human life, <laughs> Yeah, human life, animals, uh, larger plants. Yeah, this planet, uh, not ready yet. Yeah, it's only half-baked. Um, well, I don't even think it's halfway yet. And Pollux even thinks earlier on in the chapter, like, that's going to be disappointing news to the mucky mucks in the bureaucracy who plan these colony missions. But that's also not her problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's right. Yeah. The, not her problem. One of the things that we learn about Sergeant Pollux in this chapter is that this is a person who is impulsive is not the right word. But brash? Brash. <laughs> brash is, is probably the, the right word. Is probably the right word. Because she watches as two members of her team are kind of like heading down a crevasse to get back to their launch. Yeah. And is like, you know, I could probably leap across the ravine and then I'd make it to the launch faster than them and I could like be smug about it. The reason I say she's not impulsive is because she does hem and haw over this for a while. She stands there and does the math, like, or tries to do the math in her head. Like, I could probably make that. Yeah. If I took a running start, I could probably make that. And ultimately she decides to do it, hence brash. Yes. (laughs) And fails. Yes. Did not do the math adequately in her head and plummets into the ravine, which of course has no large plants in it. So there's no branches or trees to oh, grab on. There is nothing to hold on to or to cushion that fall. She is just tumbling down rocks. Yeah, and my reading is suffers a concussion. That yeah, possible. I don't know exactly what's wrong with her. She she, she is injured. Oh no, she is injured, yes. But there are a couple of things that stood out about her injuries to me. One was her elbow being itchy and on fire even before she jumps. She might have broken her arm. She might have. She comes in and out of consciousness, mm-hmm. which could be a number of things. A concussion seems quite likely. Like, everything was, like, crazy hot, crazy hot, crazy hot. Uh, also, before she jumped, she was really paranoid about losing oxygen. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that she really, really wanted to leave. Yes. She wants off this planet ASAP. Yeah, it, I mean, it's possible that she's... Uh, oxygen deprived, and that's one of the reasons why things are 
Not working quite right. Not working quite right. And indeed, that might even be the reason why she made a brash and irresponsible decision in that moment. Yeah. So it could be that she's been suffering from hypoxia for a bit. Maybe. And the low oxygen levels, yeah, is is what made her make uh, an irresponsible decision. Yeah. uh, It happens to uh, high altitude rock climbers sometimes. And divers as well. Oh, yeah. Divers. Uh, When you just don't get quite enough oxygen to your brain and, you know. Your processing starts to slow down a bunch. Indeed. So I guess we'll find out for sure. Yeah. In it, theory. It makes a lot of sense. Because uh, she gets grabbed by her team and hustled back to the launch. And they basically call in an emergency as they head up. Yeah. Which we don't see, but we can gather based on the fact that later on in the chapter, Reyna is going to be... Oh, yeah. She gets called to the airlock to let them back in. E- and... Because there's an emergency. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> One of our members jumped off a cliff. Indeed. Yeah. I I found a a, a teeny bit of humor in her brief moments of consciousness where she gets all indignant. How how dare, someone's dragging me and how dare they? I'm I'm an officer. Blacks right back. And then she blacks out again. (laughs) Not a full officer, but a non-commissioned officer because Sergeant is, of course, not enlisted. Oh, right. Of course. Which is interesting because Reyna is an ensign. Yes. Which is a commissioned position. Uh Uh-huh. An ensign is technically a higher rank than a sergeant. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. A sergeant would probably be older and more experienced than an ensign. Probably. But. Interesting. Technically speaking, ensign, higher rank than sergeant. Still, the humor came in with her indignity about being dragged on board and then her frustration about being terribly hot because clearly there's something wrong with the ship because it's really hot in there. I don't think it's the ship. Just saying. As the injured tech sergeant gets shuttled back up to the Demeter. <laughs> Dragged back onto the ship. We switch perspectives to Mechanics and Sinrena. Yes, we cut to another 15 minutes later. Where Reyna is working on some sort of menial repair task in a hydroponics bay. Yeah. Or some, some sort of greenhouse area. Yeah, working in the greenhouse trying to do an upgrade, except that she's getting in trouble for it because she's not doing following it. procedures correctly. Yeah, she's doing it wrong. Because well, here's she's... the thing. I think she's doing the work right. I just think she, uh, someone didn't follow proper channels of paperwork. Yeah, there's the bureaucracy is wrong. There's a couple things going on here. The first is that she's kind of repairing it her way and not by the book, right? Which is causing problems. And also, yes, she's making an upgrade that was requested, but not officially requested. Yes, and that is also a problem. Yes. Because her boss, Osric, is definitely a pointy-haired boss. Yes. Uh, and despite a huge be- jerk. Despite oh. being bald. He's the kind of guy who's attained, like, a middle management position and is going to go no further, but has just enough authority over just enough people that he can be a tyrant about it. Yep. Okay. So one of the first things I wrote down in my notes about this chapter was a question. Is everyone in space a jerk? Everyone is cranky and mean and rude. Why are all these people so terrible? Because these are working stiffs in space. We discussed this earlier. This is just their job. This isn't a bunch of friends on a cruise liner in the fabulous Federation. (laughs) These are coworkers who've been stuck together for over a year. Imagine if you were stuck in your office with your coworkers for over a year. By the end of that year, you'd be driving each other mad. Yes, you'd have some people who you'd be closer to, but there'd be enough people who you tolerate at work at the best of times who you'd be sick of. Every little thing they do wrong, 
you'd be hyper fixated on and it would drive you up the wall. That's the point where Rain is at. She even thinks like, I'm just about done. I just need to get through two more weeks. <laughs> it's the typical two weeks to retirement trope. But it's not even retirement. It's no, just two weeks until she's done this posting. But she the can trope move is, on. The she trope can, is two weeks to retirement. Yeah, she can be done with Osric. She can be done with her ex. She kind of alludes to, we know it's her ex yeah. because of the back of the book. Because of the blurb, yep. Like, it's, she just needs to hold on a little bit longer. But that is the point where she's at. She's, she's just frustrated with these people. So it, I don't think it's specifically that these people are all jerks. It's just they're tired of one another. They're ready to move on to another posting. Oh, yeah. This, so far, both of these chapters have been nothing but people fed up. Fed up with where they are. Fed up with who they're with. Fed up with what they're doing. Because they've been doing it for a long yeah. time. Everybody is done. <laughs> and they're all jerks about it well tempers are flaring patience is low it's yeah because they've all been cooped up the only person we've met who has the possibility of being a nice person is reyna because her her half chapter was just her taking abuse and not saying much else. I don't know she, if she's a nice person. She might be a jerk, too. She's definitely been a jerk to Osric in the past. And we can deduce this from the fact that his patience is low with her just as much as hers is low with him. And he has explicitly written her up for insubordination at least twice. Right. Okay. So, so she has talked back to him before. Okay, so everybody is terrible. That's And we don't know about Pollux for sure either, because Pollux might not be right in the head at the moment. That's true. Okay. <laughs> One of the two people on the away mission with Pollux, Ensign Avram, pretty much does nothing but spout movie quotes through the chapter. <laughs> That's true. Might be a, a cool dude. We don't know. He's a nerd. Definitely a nerd though, for yeah. sure. Oh, he gonna die. Oh, almost certainly. Oh, the nerds I, always die. I mean, you can probably look forward to Osric dying, too. I mean, they're on a ship with a monster. They're not yeah. our protagonists. Probably they're going to die. I'm not going to lie. I will kind of enjoy Osric dying because of his whole comment about how she actually likes being abused. So he's just giving it to her because he knows that's what she wants. And I, oh, I wanted to punch him right in the face. You might eat those words later if he gets some character development. <sighs> or you might not. I'd be okay if he has, like, a really redemptive arc. Otherwise, I'll be really satisfied when our little alien uh, digs its claws into him. Not so little, but in fair, there there are characters in horror movies who are just jerks who you're like, oh, I'm hoping that person dies. Oh, good, they died. Yeah, they are framed as the jerk that dies so that you feel satisfaction in it. Yeah. Is that why horror movies are full of jerks? Yeah. So that when they die, you don't feel bad? That's explicitly why. Uh, it's so that there are uh, a cavalcade of characters who you can be satisfied get chopped up by Jason Voorhees. It's so that you don't feel bad about what you're watching. Uh, see, I don't watch horror movies. I actually don't enjoy being scared. There's so. a mix of characters in your, let's call it a traditional slasher movie. Okay. There's a mix of characters who are jerks who you're hoping die and feel smugly satisfied when they do. And characters who are sympathetic so that there's a little bit of tension. And so that you do feel, oh, no, they're in danger. Because you don't want them to die. Because you don't want them to die. And usually some of those characters will die, too. So you do feel a little bad. So that it does feel like there was a cost. But, yeah, there's also a lot of just bullies and jerks who mostly just get chopped up. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I don't like horror movies so much. Because I, I don't enjoy watching jerk characters be jerks. Even if they do get dead. At any rate, um, that's pretty much the chapter. Yeah. Mostly just an introduction and the, uh, about a half hour of time between the uh, 
events on the bridge. Now, a few things jumped out at me. One was that at 9.30 to meter time, Ensign Reyna notices that they've gone to yellow alert. Yes. But it doesn't feel like that much time passed on the bridge. So I'm wondering if she was just noticing it then. And I suppose you could read it that way. Yeah. Or if like that much time had actually passed. That they've been on yellow alert for half an hour. And, and she's only just noticed because she's been fixated on her work. Yeah, maybe. Like if she's deep inside a panel, right, working on yeah. electrics, she might not notice the yellow light up above behind her, maybe. The other thing is um, there was another crewman, and I've put myself on the spot, so I, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, and it, it's immaterial, who was called up to the bridge during the first chapter. Oh, yeah. If he was called up to the bridge, A, he either hasn't reached there yet, or B, did, saw what had happened on the bridge and hasn't reported it, or declared an emergency or gone to red alert. Or maybe he's already dead. Because there's been a half hour. Well, I would assume that the creature would leave the bridge after there were no more people to kill. Well, it depends. Forgive me for getting gross. Maybe it's hungry. Let's put it this way. If I opened up the The door to the the flight deck and saw a monster eating a corpse, I would immediately close that door, (laughs) lock that door, turn around, and leave. And run away from that door. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know what's going on everywhere else yet. We still, we're still still only getting bits and pieces from all over the place. It's true. Nothing's really come together yet. Yeah. Uh, definitely, though, based on the timestamps on the chapters, I suspect that things are going to go quickly. Oh, substances are going to hit fans. Yeah. There's, and it's going to be drastic. There's uh, there's definitely um, going to be a timeline that we're going to be able to follow here. So I hope so. Yeah. I think that's why they're giving us timestamps. But that's, I think that's actually a good stopping point for this week. A bit of a shorter chapter, a bit of a shorter episode, but again, well, mostly just kind of introducing our characters, giving us some first impressions of yeah. them and the uh, and the work they do. So uh, a, a tone <laughs> has been set, a mood has been set, and uh, all of it's miserable. You could you could say that the last two chapters have been table setting, <laughs> very much before so. we get to dinner. Yeah. And our table setting is uh, hot, <laughs> cranky, scary, small, and terrible. There you go. Huzzah. Enjoy, everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to be moving into chapter three for next week. So yes. you want to read up on that. In the meantime, you know, one of the longtime sponsors of the Alberta Podcast Network has been Taproot Edmonton. Yes. Who focus on local news in and around the city, kind of a hyper-local focus. And uh, Anita's going to tell you more about it right now. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which is on a mission to inform you about your city. Want to get a handle on Edmonton's growing innovation scene? Take a listen to Bloom, Taproot's newest podcast. Each week, hosts Emily Rendell-Watson and Faiza Ramji will discuss the latest developments in efforts to solve new problems and diversity in the economy. Find out who has invented what, who is investing in whom, and what is on the horizon. Find Bloom wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit bloom.taprootedmonton.ca. Yeah, a new one. That's exciting. Indeed. Now, obviously, that's very Edmonton-centric, as is often the case with our ads. But uh, as is also often the case, probably there are news sources uh, near you that are hyper-local and and look at community events and community things that are going on. Oh, probably. So uh, you should definitely seek those out, because while we support local from where we live, we also support you supporting local from where you live. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that uh, made sense. You can also support our local podcast network by going to albertapodcastnetwork.com. Yes. Uh, you'll find many other wonderful podcasts, much like our own. They're not necessarily Alberta-centric. There's one about Bollywood movies. There's one about conspiracy theories. There's 
tons of stuff there worth checking out. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find those podcasts most likely on your podcatcher of choice. While you're there, give us a little rating and review. We would appreciate your feedback. Yeah, you can also give us feedback via social media. Absolutely. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads, because we bookish that way. Yeah, you can also get a hold of us via email. Absolutely. We are at thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Try not to get the space crankies. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along and check out our group on Goodreads.com.